Are Infinitely Loved podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Koos. We believe that loving yourself is the key to transforming every aspect of your life. And it's our hope that these conversations bring you one step closer towards embracing this truth. Welcome back to another episode of You're Infinitely Loved. Today, we are looking again at self-love, surprise, surprise, (laughs) and we are looking at the ways in which we first accessed it. So for me, I found my way into self-love through self-compassion was kind of my gateway drug. Hmm. And uh, talking to Sam about it, she has been quite the queen of self-compassion. Sam? (laughs) Take it away. <laughs> I am totally a queen of self-compassion. <laughs> no, I like to think now that I am pretty compassionate with myself, but that was not always the case. I think that self-compassion is super important and a great way of thinking about self-love because I think one of the things about self-love is that people kind of get hung up on the term and they think it's about loving everything about yourself and, and loving every single you know, like every single part of you. And whilst it's like important to love and- yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Which it's not about idolizing yourself. And I think when you talk about it through the lens of self-compassion, what it really is about is about treating yourself with love and treating yourself kindly. And that is ultimately what compassion is. It's how can we be kind to ourselves in moments of suffering or in moments of where we're stressed or we're overwhelmed or we're frustrated, how do we see that as this is something that's difficult and how can I be kind Mm -hmm. to myself through this? That's what self-love really is. It's not about wandering around going, I'm the greatest person in the world. So I think self-compassion. Well, speak for yourself, Sam, maybe for me. I mean, mean, of course, Lindsay, you are the greatest person in the world. Thank you. I'd like that said publicly. <laughs> but I think self-compassion is is a great gateway for a lot of people who struggle with the term self-love because I really believe that self-compassion is it's like the active way of loving yourself. It's being kind and compassionate to yourself in moments of hardship. Yeah, I feel like I was first introduced to that term from Brené Brown. She referenced Kristen mm. Neff's work and when I read the title of the book, Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff, I thought this is not groundbreaking. This makes sense. Why is there a whole book about it? And that book was pretty Mm. mind-blowing to me. Kristen Neff's work is phenomenal. I mean, she you called me the queen of Mm self-compassion. Kristen Neff is definitely the queen of self-compassion. Yeah, sorry. You've been (laughs) dethroned. Very, very quickly there. (laughs) Yeah, short it didn't Sam. take long. But uh, for our listeners, I will put in the show notes a link to her website, which is selfcompassion.org, because Kristen has amazing resources on her website, all sorts of meditations and ways of thinking about self-compassion and just exercises that help people access that. But yeah, that was exactly my entry into self-compassion as well was through Kristen Neff's work. And she has, Mm -hmm. you know, she has various tools, which we can talk about around how it is that you do build this compassion for yourself. And for Kristen, it was, you know, it was a very personal story where she has a severely autistic son and she kind of realized early on that in order to be able to raise this child, she would need an incredible, incredible amount of compassion to deal with the amount of, of suffering that that would cause 
in her life and in her son's life. And so she became fascinated by the idea of, you know, can I foster this compassion for myself because I won't be able to rely on the compassion of other people to get through this because I'm going to need compassion in every moment of every day. And that was why she Mm -hmm. became so interested in self-compassion. And it's so awesome that she did because there's so much research that's been done around the ways that we can really be compassionate to ourselves and how much that can improve our well-being levels and our happiness. And yeah, I know I've experienced it myself. So it's definitely something that we want people to, yeah, to, to play around with and experiment with and experience for themselves. Yeah, I I really do feel like it was my gateway drug into self-love because after taking a long break um, to stay at home with my kids and then going back to work, I realized I was in a kind of a dark mm-hmm. place being a stay-at-home mom for six years, just in, in the self-love space. And I got, you know, you don't get a lot of affirmation from your kids on how mm-hmm. you're doing yeah. <laughs> as uh-huh. a full-time mom. And so when I went back to work, I noticed that I had such compassion for my clients and an unconditional positive regard for them and felt like I would think things like, well, of course, this is this pattern for you. Of course, you're hurting. Of course, of course. And I realized that I didn't have, I mean, an ounce of the compassion for myself that Mm -hmm. I had for others. And so when I would say something stupid or make a mistake, I mean, I would just beat myself Mm -hmm. up. And it wasn't until I started to realize, like, I would not want this for my mm. clients. Um, why am I doing this to my? I, I could kind of see it more clearly when I had my clients as a mirror, in a way. Because what do you think? I agree. Um, for me, I can't really recall when I actually started um, self-compassion practice. I know I started doing med- meditation first, and it was through meditation where I learned how to be self-compassion. Just by following some of the uh, meditation mm. teachers. I mean, Sarah Blondin is all about self-compassion. Yeah. And like you mentioned, Kristen Neff, she also has her meditations on self-compassion. Mm. Um, and Lindsay, do you remember, like when you say your clients were this kind of mirror and that was how you realized, you know, by, by realizing how much compassion you had for them and by extension, how little you had for yourself, do you remember super healthy therapist, by the way, super healthy, <laughs> great place to be practicing therapy from. <laughs> Do you remember an example or can you remember a recent example of using, of being compassionate to yourself? Like a, a time when in the past you would have beat yourself up, but where now you are able to treat yourself with compassion. And what does that look like? Yeah. I feel like the areas that I would used to beat myself up over were, I, how do I put this delicately? I often have my foot in my mouth. <laughs> I mean well, but I say something and it just comes out really wrong. And I kind of instantly know Koos is laughing over here because he is very aware of this. <laughs> He's often witnessing it or the recipient of it. Um, but I think before I would just feel, I mean, for days, just feel like, I can't believe I said that. I'm so embarrassed. Uh, that's not what I meant. That's obviously not who I am. Like, oh, and just like, I mean, mm-hmm. feel awful about it. And just, my, I would have stomach pains. Like, I really offended this person. Oh my gosh. Um, so I think noticing that when I was like, you know, I think that that person I offended, I've apologized. I think it's probably going to be okay. I can probably let mm. it go. 
Um, it's not serving me to hold on to this. And again, if, if my client brought this to me, how would I respond? Mm. And it would be with like, of course that happened. You're human. That's okay. You get to be human. And so I think internalizing that has been really powerful. Yeah. And, you know, because I always do have my foot in my mouth, it is a very helpful tool for anyone out there who might also struggle from that, um, <laughs> that feeling. Uh, this, this one's for yeah. you. I luckily, that is, that's not something that I often do, but I mean, there's plenty of times where I've needed self-compassion oh. in my life, but I don't have a case of foot in mouth usually. What about for you? Where would you see it yeah, the most? Yeah, for me, like a really practical example is I, you know, if I'm running late for something, like uh, I in the past would have absolutely really beaten myself up for that and and been really harsh around, you know, oh, this is, you're, you're so disorganized, this is so unprofessional, how disrespectful of the other person's time and, and really – yeah word (laughs) Sam you're a monster giving myself like a hard time and then this idea of just acknowledging you know usually when I was late there was a really good reason for it and there was an element of uncontrolled stress in my life that to to be able to use Kristen's work and be like well this this stress this is just suffering and how can I be kind to myself and and to just think well what would I say again to a friend uh, in this situation. And I'd be like, that's fine. It doesn't matter that you're late to worry about it kind of thing. So to be able to just have that sense of yeah, compassion in moments like that, it's been really, mm-hmm. really helpful. And I also think that we are thinking way harsher things about ourselves than the other person we think we're offending, like by mm. being late. Most people don't care if you're a few minutes no. late, you know, if it's like a one-off thing, of course they yeah. don't care. If it's a pattern, maybe they're getting annoyed by it, but they definitely aren't saying things like, you're the worst, you're unprofessional, <laughs> like, what have you done wrong in your life to be, be this late all the time, right? And so the voice in our head is way louder and more critical than what a decent human being exactly. would be saying. We would never say the things that we say in our heads to anyone else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to remember that we're our yep. own harshest critics and, yeah, and to treat ourselves like like we would treat a friend like decent human beings let's just go for low here goose what about you when's the last time you felt like you had to use self-compassion i mean being married to me yeah being married (laughs) to Lindsay. oh goose you're okay you're fine (laughs) one place where self-compassion really helped was when i was unemployed for a really 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 long time and having done over 100 interviews and being rejected every single one of them you know eventually it just kind of got in your head you start questioning am i really this terrible mm. like why why isn't anyone taking me seriously to want to hire me like is there something wrong with me but practicing meditation and self-compassion really helped help me through those dark moments just reminding myself that i'm okay and their rejection has nothing to do about who mm. i truly am that I'm still loved, that I am still an awesome person. And, uh, and that kept me going. Um, I think that like highlights the idea that it's a practice. It is definitely a practice. It's not like a one time you arrive, but like, I got to see you go through the ups and downs of that period. And there were days when you were like, I didn't get that job, but that's okay. You know, next interview, no big deal. 
And other days when you would not be feeling that way, you'd be like, what am I doing wrong? Like, this is terrible. I feel awful. Is it always going to be this way? And so then you have to really do some deeper work around that. Yeah. So I think one thing that I want to mention is that the practice of self-compassion does not mean that you cannot be in a mm. funk. If you have a friend who's feeling sad, I mean, the, the right thing to do would just be sit in the sadness with them. Yeah. Right. You don't you don't go ahead and try and try to fix it. Like, so oh, saying snap out of it is maybe what you wouldn't say. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> Noted. Noted. Um, so, you know, practice of self-compassion is saying, you know what, Kus, you're feeling sad because you just got rejected. That's OK. I get it. It's OK to be sad. It's OK to be disappointed and just, you know, be comfortable sitting in this sadness. And sometimes that's really all you need is to just give yourself the space to feel and then you move move forward mm -hmm. um yeah, i think that's that's a really important thing to remember is that this is not positive thinking you can't feel sad there's always a reason why something mm -hmm. happened there might there might be a reason why something happened but permission to feel mm -hmm. all the feels you know like it's okay yeah so and that is compassion right like when we offer that to a friend who's going through a hard time. We, we aren't saying like, snap out of it, cheer up, you're fine. Look on the bright side, silver lining. We are in our most compassionate moments saying, hey, I'm here, I'm listening. I'm so sorry this yeah. is happening. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I like, so Kristen Neff has a three-part, she calls it a self-compassion break, which is a three-part mindfulness process in essence. And the first step of that process is to say, this is a moment of suffering. And I think when people hear the word suffering, they think of, you know, like tragedy and like awful circumstances. But Kristen Neff's definition is basically any emotional state that is is uncomfortable. So by, you know, what you were just saying there, Chris, around sadness, that would be a moment of suffering. So would stress. So would overwhelm. So would frustration. So would anger. So with any of the emotions that we kind of deem to be negative, and to just acknowledge this is a moment of suffering. And then the second part of her process is to say, to acknowledge your common humanity, which is to say, this is part of the human experience. Other people feel like this. And that's about kind of in that moment, getting a bit of distance and realizing, yeah, you're going through this hard thing. And this is just part of being human. It's not about changing it. It's not about moving on to this silver lining and positive thinking. It's just about saying, I'm suffering right now and it's part of the human experience. And then the third and most important part of this self-compassion break is to say, may I be kind to myself? And you get to determine mm. what kindness looks like in that moment. It could just be sitting mm -hmm. with the emotion, could be crying, could be journaling, could be going to the beach, it could be whatever. But how can you just acknowledge I'm going through some difficulty right now and may I be kind? Yeah, that's really beautiful. I think the issue is that we often forget to take the breaks, though, the self-compassion breaks, mm -hmm. you know? And so I kind of wonder what that looks like when we are, um, I think when we're able to, to offer compassion to other people easily, mm -hmm. why is it so hard to offer it to ourselves? What is that, you know? And it goes in line with the self-love. Why is it so hard to love mm -hmm. ourselves, you know? And I think that so much of our language how we talk to others and ourselves is like the cultural, 
I don't know, climate around that. We don't see a lot of models of it. We aren't seeing a lot of models of compassion in general, mm-hmm. um, let alone self-compassion. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's like, you know, this idea, self-love getting wrapped up in in the opposite, which is narcissism and, and people thinking they're going to, mm-hmm. you know, this I know that in a, in Australia we have, uh, it's called tall poppy syndrome, but it's basically this idea that you can't, if you talk about yourself in a boastful way, then it, it's seen as a really negative thing. And people are like, oh, you know, this person's so full of themselves. They're so in love with themselves. And I think that kind of negative language, language around being proud of yourself or loving yourself mm-hmm. has got completely intertwined with self-love and self-compassion and there's such different things you know there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with seeing ourselves in with positive regard my goodness <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it funny even saying that is ridiculous of course there mm-hmm. isn't and yet we feel that there is you know the intellect is breaking from the belief system in mm-hmm. that way yeah because i think it's almost seen as yeah as arrogance if, if you're aware mm-hmm. of your own magnificence whoa even saying that right (laughs) that your own magnificence yeah yeah I think when I think about my upbringing in in more religious spaces it definitely is seen as like humility is a really important value in a lot of faith community Mm. and being proud of yourself is seen as the opposite of humility you're being arrogant yeah being arrogant and full of yourself and so I think we do such a disservice, you know, when we we let that become our belief system that if I'm proud of myself, it's sinful yeah. or wrong or undesirable. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We need to make people realize that, you know, being proud of yourself is an amazing thing because if you're if you're proud of yourself, then that's going to inspire you to want to keep doing things to be proud of. Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's a bit of a momentum building thing and and if you want to feel proud of yourself at the end of the day, then who is the person that you need to be in order to feel proud? And that's going to be someone that mm-hmm. behaves in a loving and kind way. So we actually want to be encouraging ourselves to feel proud of ourselves, you know, and not the opposite. You know, it's interesting. I've had this come up more than once in uh, therapy that someone will say, if I'm not harsh with myself, I won't be uh, motivated. If I don't kind of beat myself up, I'm not going to get stuff done. And oh my god! I'm. I just am always like, uh, I, I don't even know where to start with that. I understand it. I, I get, get that, it and I think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And you know what? Because because if you think like, let's let's say I have mm-hmm. a trainer, that's what you'd expect from a trainer. But here's hey, the push thing. harder, push harder. You can do it. Go harder, go harder. Well, there's that. There's like encouragement, but I feel like I have this mentality of like a mean mm-hmm. coach. Like in high school, right, yeah. who's just like, you guys suck, you're the worst. Come on, get to get it together. Um, versus a coach who is encouraging of like, I believe in us, we can do this, we're powerful. And how there's kind of like that little good coach, evil coach mm-hmm. on our shoulders. But this is the thing, is like this comes from, I think, like, you know, just a long history and social culture of thinking that punishment is is motivating. And I don't have, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to claim to be an expert. I don't have the research stats at hand, but I can absolutely say that the the research they have been doing around this in the last decade, 20 years shows that that is just 
fundamentally untrue. Even when you look at something as simple as the prison system, like putting people in prison for crimes at, like, and punishing them does nothing <laughs> to improve a situation. Like this idea that punishment is a good thing that's going to make people do better is fundamentally untrue. Like encouragement, support, positive things is what inspires someone and motivates them to keep going. But it is a very commonly held belief that if people aren't harsh to themselves, if they lower the bar and if they're not, you know, constantly holding themselves to these impeccably high standards that they're they're not going to be motivated. It's just, mm-hmm. it's untrue. Yeah. It's really common though. I feel like I see that all the time I practice. Mm. So when you meet with a client who says that, like, I'm afraid that if I practice self-compassion and I go easy on myself, I have that mm. in air quotes, um, that I'm not going to achieve as much. I'm not going to get as much done. I won't advance in my career. You won't feel like you're pushing yourself hard enough. Right. You're just taking get easy on yourself Mm -hmm. right what how do you approach that so because you can tell someone until the cows come home that it's just untrue and that it's and so what I what I say to them is I do say that I say look it's been shown and you can look again at at um cultures of schooling systems cultures that use encouragement versus cultures that use uh, discipline and strict punishment and who is getting better results and it's always the ones that are encouraged. So you can kind of talk to them about these examples but I say I just encourage people to try. I say, you know what, I get that you have that fear. It's a really commonly held fear and I have never, ever seen anyone that practices self-compassion actually not achieve what they want to achieve and become this lazy person that doesn't do anything. I've always seen the opposite. So I don't have a single example of someone doing this and it not being effective. So I would just encourage that person to try and see what happens. (sighs) Noted. (laughs) I feel like if someone is listening to this podcast and hearing the term self-compassion for the Mm. first time, what is the most important thing you would want to impress on them? Mm. That for me, self-compassion is just about being kind to yourself. And I would say that it's important the way that you know when you need to treat yourself with compassion is when you're being unkind to yourself. So for me, for anyone listening, it's as soon as you notice that you're beating yourself up or that you have an inner critic saying something mean, any time you are aware of any level of unkindness or harsh criticism towards yourself, I would just say, jump in and ask yourself, how can I be kind to myself right now? And you'll know based on what's going on in the moment, what kindness. But Mm -hmm. for me, self-compassion really is about just treating yourself with kindness as soon as any kind of harsh, unkind, critical voice comes up. Mm -hmm. I think even having a beginner's mindset Mm. in it, if we've had years of a mean dictator ruling our thoughts, it's going to be really hard to all of a sudden um, uproot all of that and to be constantly kind all the time. So even being self-compassionate <laughs> as you're becoming self-compassionate. Exactly. And I feel like in our world today, it's hard to serve other people well out of scarcity, mm. right? You want to serve out of abundance. In this case, if you don't have love for yourself, it will be very hard to show love to other people. Mm-hmm. You will be projecting what's inside of you onto other people. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to our Christian beliefs, 
we always feel like we'll just serve because that's what we're supposed to do. Doesn't ma matter how drained you are or how exhausted you are emotionally. Mm -hmm. Just serve because that's what you're supposed to do. And there are people who are so worse off than you that need love and compassion that you can't really waste it on yourself. Right. Because you're okay. Yeah. But why why not flip the switch and say, wait, let me love on myself really well, such that I have such abundance of love from within myself that I'm going to share with everyone. Mm -hmm. Because I have so much love. I know how much I'm loved and I and I, I want to share that with everyone. Mm -hmm. I want to serve everyone. Mm. Right. Yeah, again, that I think we've talked about it before, but that's the opposite way of doing things that um, that flip that switch flipped for me of thinking, wait, what if I started here and I love myself first? Well, would I have the energy, space, extra love, compassion? And of course, I have more than enough for those around mm. me. But before it was the the idea that if I serve, I'll get the love I need. Mm. And really, the love I needed was always there. What do you think, Lindsay? I'm going to throw the same question back to you. <laughs> if you had one kind of thing that you wanted a listener to know someone that has maybe never been self-compassionate before or doesn't even know what that is mm -hmm. yeah what would you want them to know if there was just one thing or where would you encourage them to start I think starting with the idea that is beating yourself up working like is it really working mm -hmm. because um we have all these things that we do that we'd never examine is this actually effective mm -hmm. is beating myself up saying unkind things treating myself so harshly, serving me in any way. Mm. And I mean, again, <laughs> I haven't seen many people say, yes, it's really helpful. Yeah. Um, so starting there, and I think taking it slow and just being no like noticing the ways in which you're being unkind. Like that's the first step is just in what ways am I being unkind to mm. myself? In what ways are my standards not healthy or appropriate? Mm. Would I talk to my friend this way? Mm. Of course not. So, and if the answer is no, then I'm not allowed to say it to myself. And so to kind of have some firm rules around that, if I would not say this to someone else, I'm not allowed to say it to myself. Yeah. It's almost getting kind of militant about that. Like I only allow myself to speak kindly to myself. And again, I feel like as I've been practicing this for a couple of years now, it is second nature now. But when I first began, it was very hard to think about that because I was kind of stuck in negative mm. loops of the same story I've been telling myself forever. And so I think just noticing that that loop doesn't work is powerful. This does not work. Can I try something mm. new? And, and that goes back to curiosity. I'm curious about if something else could work better. Could I try this out? Exactly. And I think the yeah. fact that, and we've said it already on this episode, but just reminding people that this is a practice and that it's just... And you will learn a new way of being and it will feel strange at first and uh, and you might not be able to treat yourself with kindness every second of the day when you first start this process. Um, and even now <laughs> there's moments where, you know, I'll hear myself say something and think, oh, that wasn't very kind. But it is just something that the more you do it. The self-love queen <laughs> says that. I mean, grace for all of us. <laughs> the more you do it, the more it becomes second nature. And and the times when you're right. unkind to yourself become the exceptions to the rule and not the other way around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like it is such, when I think about my before and after, like where I am now compared to where I was before, it really is almost an unrecognizable relationship with mm. myself. And I really never would have imagined being this happy with mm. who I am and this content and this excited about where I could grow because of this stuff. 
It's pretty groundbreaking. Simple, but mind-blowing. It is. It's pretty powerful. <laughs> yeah. It, it is a practice. You have to do it every day. For me, one of the one of the simple, sim simplest, most basic things you I've tried doing is that just looking at myself in the mirror and saying kind things to myself. I think it's really, I feel like it's a lot more powerful than just thinking yes. it or just saying it, but not looking at mm -hmm. yourself. Um, there's something about looking when you're talking to someone, looking into their yeah. eyes, there's just this connection that, that you built, right? Mm -hmm. And when you look at yourself in the mirror and you're looking your, at your, into your eyes, it's like you're talking to your the depth of your yeah. soul and you're implanting this good thoughts about yourself. Mm. And it is very, very powerful. Isn't there, Sam, didn't you tell me about some research about that, about hearing your own voice and looking at yourself as you're speaking? I Am I making that up? up? However, <laughs> that is another one of the tools um, that we can talk about, absolutely, is uh, is mirror work, which is exactly what you were talking about. Um, oh, great. But it is about... Yeah, I'm a little you're, bit ahead you're of myself. Ahead of yourself because you're already just, you know, incorporating all of these tools together and doing it. Uh, but yeah, mirror work is super powerful, and it is because of looking into your own eyes, um, because there is something incredibly powerful about doing that. So, if you can do that and say kind and compassionate things to yourself, then you're a champion. One of the the first things I ask my clients to do as we're working on self love is to do the mm -hmm. mirror work. And so I ask them to pair it with something they're already doing. So we always brush our teeth twice a day. We don't think about it. We don't think, oh, should I brush my teeth today? I don't know. And this is based off of Gretchen Rubin's work, right? Of how to create mm -hmm. habits. But while you're brushing your teeth, to be thinking some kind things mm -hmm. about yourself. And then the next step is after you're done brushing your teeth to look in your mirror and say the things that you need to hear mm. that day. And twice a day, pair it with a habit you've already got going on. And most of my clients come back and I will say, how did it go this first week of trying this? And they will say things like, I felt stupid. It was so yeah. dumb. Or they'll say, I couldn't even do it. I, it was so uncomfortable. I mm -hmm. couldn't do it. Or they'll say, I just cried. Like I just got so emotional. I haven't really looked at myself mm -hmm. in the mirror in mm -hmm. forever. And so it's interesting how something so like it's seemingly so silly is actually really powerful and brings up a lot of emotion. It's true. Especially if you haven't really felt a lot of love and you truly look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I love you. I really love who you are. Mm -hmm. That is so powerful. If you really mean it when, mm -hmm. when you say it to yourself. Yep, it is. It's the most powerful thing you can do. So hopefully on another episode, we can convince all skeptics and non-believers <laughs> in the power of mirror work because <laughs> it does feel a bit silly to begin with, but, uh, but it is definitely one of the most powerful tools I know. So spoiler alert, <laughs> coming in a future episode. Mirror work. <laughs> Mirror work, exactly. <laughs> well, it has been so awesome chatting to you guys as usual around all things self-love and self-compassion. And yeah, for anyone that wants to go deeper into this work around self-compassion, highly, highly recommend the work of Kristen Neff and her website, selfcompassion.org and the meditation teachers, Sarah Blondin and Kristen Neff again. And I think Tara Brack does some stuff around self-compassion. We'll put everything in the show notes. Thank you everyone for listening to another episode of You Are Infinitely Loved. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. Our hope is that each day you feel more connected to the knowledge that you are infinitely loved. 
If you want to continue this conversation, you can find us at yourinfinitelyloved.com. 